Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And with me in the studio is Man About Town, Tony Kerr. Hello. How's it going this week, Tony? Yeah, it's good, thanks. Man About Town, Man About London Town. London Town, just back, yeah, very good weekend. You've been away for the weekend, Tony. What did you do in London? Uh, This and that, really, potted. Did you go shopping on Oxford Road? <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was very good. Uh, I mean, went to a cricket match on the Friday night, which is essentially a good cover story for what happened the rest of the weekend. It's <laughs> like people are like, oh, what are you up to in London this weekend? You can't just say, you know, getting smashed. Uh, like, oh, <laughs> going, going to the cricket. They're like, oh, right, really nice. Yeah, cool. Oh, that must have good. been idyllic. Yeah, exactly. Said. It must have been a lovely summer evening. Of course, the getting smashed, I imagine, included the cricket as well. Absolutely, yeah. And went on from there. Just before the show started, you told me how much money you spent this weekend. It was pretty, well, actually, you told me how much money you spent on Saturday night, not including yeah, anything else. You so can't do it every weekend. It was an eye-watering sum. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how was the cricket? This was the T20 Blast. Uh, yeah, was cricket was really good. Down at the Oval. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, your old pal Ravi Bapara lit the place up with his performance. He's a very popular player in the crowd as well. So, I mean, it really flies in the face of, of your campaign. It flies in the face of years of World Cricket Show episodes. No, it was actually it was a good night. A like, really very good crowd, pretty full, like 90% full. It's just the, uh, the prawn sandwich seats that were, uh, were empty. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, very good. Ticked all the boxes, saw a few sixes. Sangakara played quite nicely for, for a 50-odd and, uh, or 80-odd or whatever, or 70-odd. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, fed the snake. So, that yeah, explains why yeah, you exactly. can't remember yeah. what Sangakara got. Yeah, I, I remember him getting to about 50. <laughs> And then, uh, then it all becomes a bit hazy. Everything's a blur after that. Well, yeah, you, you got involved in the, the beer snake. I got, I got a text from you on Saturday that just said, I fed the snake last night. And I just took one look at it and thought, oh, God, I don't want to know about this. I don't know what he's got up to in London. Uh, but then I suddenly realised that you meant at the cricket. You got involved in, in, in feeding the beer snake. Were you involved in the chanting? <laughs> there was some chanting. Feed the snake and it will grow. It's not the most Feed imaginative. Feed the snake and it will grow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so that was... Yeah. I mean, I presume, it's ironic, obviously. I presume listeners know what a beer snake is. It's just, yeah, it's just a snake of, of beer. It's a snake of beer, exactly. It's, it's uh, you know, accumulation of, of empty uh, beer cups stacked together to make an amusing prop. And they get pretty long, don't they? They, they do get long. They sort of snake their way over the crowd, but they, they've been banned, haven't they, because uh, they annoy <laughs> everyone. <laughs> everyone who's yeah. not involved in building the beer snake. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess this is what they're looking for, though. You know, if you're going to have this kind of T20 blast on a Friday night, you know, that's the, that's the vibe they want, isn't it? The Friday night atmosphere. If they're going to invite Tony Kerr down, <laughs> they've got to expect. I mean, I did actually. Uh, I, I forgot that you were going. And on Saturday morning, I was checking Twitter 
And I saw more than one tweet that said things along the line of <laughs> unpleasant atmosphere at the Oval yesterday. <laughs> really boisterous, rowdy, just generally a bit unpleasant. And I thought to myself, oh, that's, that's Tony Kerr. That's the Tony Kerr effect. That is, what... that is, yeah. And no, it's all, it's all very friendly around where I was sitting. Everyone's having a great time. Now, apparently there were some ugly scenes in the crowd. But I think, yeah, you were having a great time. You, you, and, you and the three or four people around you building the beer snake when they were having a great time. And, all, and uh, yeah, just everyone else was kind of ugly looking at it and shaking their heads. What kind of ugly scenes? Beer snakes, I think. I'm pretty sure they were talking about beer snakes. I, think, I love it because we've The, we've the world's on... most inoffensive kind of crowd piece, beer snake. In a know. cartoon, this would now, or a, a sitcom, this would now cut to the oval as you're standing on your chair going feed the snake and it will grow feed the snake and it will grow i love it because yeah we've talked on the show quite a lot recently about how you know we do this show about cricket uh, and yet neither of us has been to a game of cricket for years like i've not been to a game of cricket for about six years first time you've been to cricket in years and you spent the whole time just feeding the beer snake and that did take in there it was actually quite a good game uh, I mean, came down to the final over. Well, it wasn't that close in the end, but it was one in the final over, so that's as, as much as you can ask, I think. But yeah, it was decent. Sean Tate was bowling pretty fast. It's good to see. Yeah, Sangakara hit some nice, some nice shots, some nice runs. Uh, some other things happened. But who can remember? Who can remember them? It becomes increasingly needs hard to remember? to remember. Well, yes. On the subject of cricket, shall I tell you what's coming up on the show today? Tain, I mean, we haven't recorded an episode since the test at Headingley, uh, which, of course, New Zealand won. So we'll be discussing what New Zealand's win means for England, what New Zealand's win means for New Zealand, and what New Zealand's win means for the Ashes. Uh, All that to look forward to on the show. And speaking of the Ashes, the other team that plays in the Ashes, of course, is Australia, uh, and they are in the Caribbean at the moment. Uh, They've just played a test in Dominica, so we'll be diving headfirst into that series as well. Uh... Tony's not listening, actually. He's just started building a beer snake. <laughs> Are you going to do the betting segment tonight? Uh, uh, yeah, I have a little You'll bit. have to get me some I'll ashes on. I'll just have a at Twitter to see if you're talking rubbish or not. <laughs> Jesse Ryder described it as an awesome crowd at the Oval. So there you go. He knows his way around. Thirsty crowd at the Oval tonight. Barcues are crazy compared to last season. Cracking crowd at the Oval tonight. Well, this is the tweet that I saw at Legside Lizzie. Sounds like some pretty ugly scenes in bits of the Oval and Trent Bridge crowds last night, and then various people <laughs> various people replying, saying things like, I was at the Oval and people were throwing cups the whole of the second half for beer snakes. WTF is going on at the Oval. Their crowd control is disgraceful. Disgraceful. <laughs> Absolutely disgraceful. You wouldn't know anything about that. No, time, I, would, no I wasn't there, I don't think. <laughs> Not that you remember. <laughs> England. Let's kick off the show with the item that we call England on which we talk about England now. Tony, England have drawn their short test series against New Zealand uh, after another compelling contest at Headingley, which ended in a win for the touring side. England won the toss and put the Kiwis into bat, uh, and they got off to a very good start, removing Martin Guptill and Kane Williamson early on, but New Zealand recovered. Uh, 84 for Tom Latham, and a rapid-fire 88 from 70 balls for Luke Ronke on debut. Stuart Broad got five wickets but was very expensive, five for 109 and an economy rate of 6.34. New Zealand were all out for 350. England got off to a great start. Adam Lythe hit his maiden test match, 100, 107 he made. Alistair Cook with 75 as well. They were very well placed at 177 for none 
and then 215 for one, but then they collapsed and were eventually all out for 350, the exact same score as New Zealand. Tim Southey took four wickets. Uh, the Kiwis were in trouble again, 23 for two, uh, but 100 for BJ Watling and half centuries for Martin Guptill and Brendan McCullum and Mark Craig as well late on meant that eventually they declared on 454 for eight, a big, big score in the second innings. Uh, so yeah, England had to chase four, five, five. It was never really on, despite what Joe Root said on the fourth evening. Uh, there was some rain around. And then on the fifth morning, they collapsed again. Uh, and although they resisted a little bit, 73 for Joss Butler, they were eventually all out for 255. Mark Craig took three wickets and Kane Williamson, the part-time off spinner, took three for 15. So New Zealand won the game by 199 runs. Uh, and as I say, squared the series at one all. 199 runs is a pretty big margin of victory, but I'd suggest that this was a slightly closer game uh, than that would indicate. Uh, well, it certainly was after the first innings. <laughs> well, yes, it, it was par, wasn't it, after the first innings? But even going into the fifth day, you know, there was well, there was never a chance that England were going to win, but there was a good chance that they would draw. It was it was a, a fine performance by New Zealand on that final day to force the win. Now England won that first match at Lords, and, and, and we were pretty delighted on last week's showtime. Uh, it's finished all square. Are you disappointed as an England fan? Did England let it slip? No, I mean, I think we were spot on, weren't we, last time out when we said, you know, let's not get carried away, which people, a lot of people were doing. Hashtag let's not get carried away. Hashtag with the England cricket team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, the tweets that we were putting out last week. Uh, you know, I think yeah, I fully expected England would lose this series 2-0. Uh, so to get a, a one-all draw... Uh, and play like they did in the first match and, and some of the individual performances across both matches, uh, to be fair, from England players. I think it's been a very, been a brilliant series. Satisfying from an England perspective, entertaining from both perspectives. I think New Zealand will be slightly disappointed they haven't won the series or they haven't, at the end of the series, yet, they've not ended as winners, which is the same thing, isn't it? But uh, a great couple of test matches. <laughs> they've not ended as winners. That's a politician's answer, isn't it? That's... Imagine Ed Miliband saying that on May the 8th. That's a bit of satire for you there. I think it's, yeah, Only a little, month out of date. Your little rundown there. Uh, you felt England should have had a lead uh, at the halfway point, uh, which would have given them a better chance. But uh, but there was some, some decent batting from New Zealand in, in the match. And, uh, and yeah, England, the, the task that was set them in the end was, was beyond their reach. So Yeah, I mean, it is always for us and the English media in general, it's well tempting and kind of inevitable that you that you focus on England's performance and in any defeat you kind of scrutinise all the areas that it went wrong for England and we will do that don't get me wrong but sometimes you have to you know in the big picture just say well the opposition played really well and New Zealand were excellent in this game they are an excellent team and yeah before the series I'd have bitten your hand off if you'd offered me a one-all draw and the memories as well <laughs> what memories yeah you can't put a price on memories as we discussed before the show when you told me how much money you spent this weekend you really can't put a price on memories and some great memories from this series. And memories of England competing. As I said on last week's show, I did not think that England would compete in this series or this summer. Um, so I'm pleased that they have, even in this game that they've lost by you know 200 runs in the end. They competed. It's always disappointing, isn't it, to go from 1-0 up to 1-all. Um, but if you swap the tests around and you know England came from 1-0 down to draw 1-all, we'd be over the moon. We'd be in a really good frame of mind, but ultimately the result would be the same. New Zealand are a seriously impressive cricket team and they demonstrated that again 
in Leeds. And yeah, you just got to say they deserve to draw the series. There's a lot of talk, Dan. There's been a lot of talk, well, for the past few months, and certainly in this series, a lot of talk about how New Zealand play the right brand of cricket. And, you know, that gets a little bit tiresome to some extent, but hard to deny, isn't it? Because they do play the right brand of cricket. We look at their second innings, uh, their second innings, how many... Uh, ten just watching, batsmen. Just watching Tony count. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, entertaining. Ten New Zealand players took to the crease. Only two of them didn't hit six. Well, I can tell you that uh, that's the first time that that's ever happened in Test history. The previous record was seven. Amazing. Seven batsmen to hit at least one six. What, they scored almost five runs and over, and that lead they put on, that four uh, 4.54, yeah, given that they did it so quickly... That, I mean, that, that innings won them the game, didn't it? That was the match-winning Absolutely, innings. yeah. If, if they'd got to 4-5-4, four, four, but it had taken them, you know, in a sort of England fashion, perhaps, if, if it had taken them twice as long almost, um, then they probably wouldn't have had time to force the victory. I mean, you, you've been kind of stumbling around, fumbling around, trying to find some of these statistics, but I can, I can give you definitively that, uh, well, they got just a shade under five and over I across the match. That. Yeah. which is the second highest match run rate for any team in Test history. Of the 15 highest innings run rates in Test history, three of them have been scored by New Zealand in the last six months. Although sometimes statistics can be misleading because I was looking at that list, and do you know what's second on that list for the highest innings run rate in Test history? England's 166 all-out in Sydney last year is second on that list of highest innings run rate, and that you know, go, goes down as one of the most ignominious displays <laughs> in England's cricket history. So, you know, they don't tell the whole story statistics, but this does, you know, give you some idea of how aggressive and enterprising New Zealand are as a cricket team. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, obviously, as many people have said, it's epitomised by McCullum, isn't it? He's the, the driving force behind that and, you know, comes in and just smashes first balls for six uh, in precarious inning situations. So... Uh, I mean, the guy is fearless, isn't he? He's just, he, he, he's the Jack Barrow. I think I've said this about someone else. I might have said it about him before, but he's the Jack Barrow of cricket, isn't he? He's the kind of... Yeah, he's the Bear Grylls. He just, you know, he is the ultimate... He's he's the Adam Bayfield. Of, you know, <laughs> he's, he's in that sort of company, is what you're saying. I mean, with him in the side uh, and with the other players, that, you know, they've, they've got a <laughs> With the other 10 players. The other the 10 players, but... Uh, they've got a very impressive lineup, and uh, you know that, that second innings as well. BJ Watling kind of anchoring it. Uh, that was a fantastic performance from him. He needs all the credit uh, he can get. He needs all the credit he, he, he deserves uh, for that performance. Yeah, because I think that's that's the thing. It's not the case that the entire New Zealand team is a kind of McCullum style box office player. They've got these box office players, but what's great about New Zealand is they've got this kind of balance because backing those players up, they've got guys like BJ Watling. Kane Williamson, although he can play aggressively as well, more sort of steady batsman. And yeah, Watling flies so far under the radar that he's almost underwater. But, you know, he has in the last year or so shared in two massive world record stands. Again, in this game, a, a brilliant 100. I'm not sure I even mentioned his 100 in my uh, roundup. That was pretty, that was a, bit, a big oversight. Perhaps just go back and edit that, that in. <laughs> that was arguably the performance of the game, 120. He made in that second innings to set up the win for New Zealand. And, yeah, it was an absolutely brilliant innings. I mean, I think it's also worth pointing out, though, you know, when we're talking about run rates and stuff, uh, you know, we're talking about BJ Watling anchoring the innings. I mean, he's anchoring the innings 
at the same pace that probably England's, you know, someone like Joe Root, who tends to get England moving at the same pace as him. So, you know, it, both England and New Zealand, you'd say in this series, you look at their batting lineups, you look at what Stokes did, and, and that's the thing, you'd say, oh, they've, they've both got quite a nice balance. It's just New Zealand's balance is about three levels higher than England's. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, Watling's 100 was scored at a strike rate of 73. Uh, what, 72.6? Let's round it up to 74. That's the best part of twice as fast as Alistair Cook uh, with his 75. And even even Joss Butler, you know, in that second inning, scored 73 at 49. Yeah, so like you say, although by comparison to McCullum and Guptill and others, it's a, it's a very slow knock. It isn't. So yeah, so that's the thing about, you know, that's the, the most eye-catching thing about New Zealand is this kind of attacking batting. But actually the, the whole team, every department, the seam bowling is very attacking as well, sort of pitching it up. And it's all backed up by some really high-quality fielding. There's been a pretty stark contrast in this series and particularly in this game between New Zealand's catching and England's catching. At one point in the first innings, England dropped three catches in eight balls. Spectacular, uh, <laughs> really. Even by our standards as, as, a, kind of, uh, as a, a younger team. It's a bit of a scandal that this series is over already. One of the most entertaining test series for a very long time. Uh, and it's it's all over after two tests. I mean, how good would a decider have been here? Oh, it would have been brilliant. I mean, I, we, yeah, we talked about it before. I mean, the schedules are, are kind of insane this year, more so than ever. I suppose the only solace, well, the solace that you take from it is that the likelihood is we're probably going to get uh, you know, similar, at least a similar swashbuckling brand of cricket for the rest of the summer with the visit of Australia. I mean, had it been someone else coming... You know, it would have been pretty disappointing, but it has just whetted the appetite, I think. So in that way, nicely done for the ECB. <laughs> yes, and I suppose with 17 tests being played this year, you know, it might be strange to wish that there were more. But I guess it's just a shame that New Zealand, you know, they, they never play more than three, but at this point, you know, it's only two that they're playing against England um, and against a lot of teams, and that's that's a real disservice to them because they are one of the best teams in the world at the moment. Some you could make a case for them being the best, but they're, they're certainly in in the top three. I mean, yeah, they clearly they arranged the schedules a long way in advance. They didn't know that New Zealand would be this good. They didn't know that the series would be this good. But I'm not a big fan of two test series in any circumstances. Really, it's just not enough. Doesn't time. make sense. It's, yeah, it's like having a two set match in tennis. It's yeah, exactly. That's a good comparison because the great thing about test cricket is the way that the narrative kind of develops and it doesn't have time to develop over two tests three is quite sure. you can't have a winner in, in a two you know well you can well you, you can, can but i mean you can't you know in this situation obviously but in this situation uh <laughs> in a know, situation no... where one team wins one and the other team wins the other then you can't have a winner yeah. so yeah it's a good point so we've already watched you count today <laughs> But I mean, it's been such a good series that even 10 tests might not have been enough. You just kind of want it to go on and on. But as you've hinted at there, you know, it does just kind of whet the appetite for the Ashes. And inevitably, everyone's just been looking at this series and trying to find you know, pointers for the Ashes. They're kind of seeing this series as purely there as a kind of warm up for the Ashes. It deserves to be more than a warm up for the Ashes because New Zealand deserve much more than that. But that being said, let's talk about this as though it's just a warm up for the Ashes. How do you assess the England cricket team with a month or so to go until the Ashes turn? Are you quietly confident? Are you nervous? Are you absolutely effing terrified? Hashtag Where are you the at? Ashes. Uh, given what we've just said, a damn sight more positive than 
six weeks ago or how long it was ago that the test series started four weeks ago three weeks ago <laughs> it was about a week and a half two weeks ago yeah uh now we're watching you trying to remember weeks oh god no not possible <laughs> uh but yeah because you know i think you had been down the bookies hadn't you to put on a seven nil england reverse on your slip uh which is nonsense well, uh, just met I a bookmaker in an alley <laughs> uh but then we've already got one, so it's one all at the moment. It's all to play for. So it could be six one, so and that would be, be a real triumph. That would be great. That would be at least we've got something out of it. Uh, yeah, I think you've got to feel a lot more positive. You know, Alistair Cook's in form all of a sudden. The batting lineup, there are positives there. There's some positives in the bowling department. Uh, I think Australia will have expected New Zealand to win two, two love. So, it, yeah, it, it's more. We're, yeah, we're moving in the right direction. You'd think. I'm, I'm still. I still think we're going to get. Still going to be three one four one, maybe three nil four nil, depending on the weather. Yeah, yeah I, I do like that because it is. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well. It's like, yeah, it's all going in the right direction. Feeling pretty good about it. We're going to get absolutely walloped. We're going to get a thumping. I mean, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. We are still going to lose, but we're not going to lose like buying innings and three hundred runs or something. Or yeah, we're not. It's not going to be an absolute trouncing in each game, which it threatened to be at one point. Yeah, as I said last week, as I said earlier on in the show, for those who are paying close attention. It seems that England are going to be competitive. They're going to compete. And that is better than I thought. There were some really encouraging things in this series, both at Lords, but also in this game, even though England lost. They still might get steamrolled by Australia, but that does look a little bit less likely than it did before this series. Like you say, the performances of, of some of the players, Ben Stokes, Joe Root, the introduction of Mark Wood, who I thought well, he was fantastic at Lords, a little bit less effective at Headingley, but... You know, he does look like a test match bowler. Adam Lyth's made a really good start. Lot to prove still. Obviously, Sam Robson scored 100 in the corresponding test last year, and then it all went wrong. But he looks like a test match batsman, Adam Lyth. He doesn't seem to have that kind of glaring technical weakness that Sam Robson have, or if he does, it's not been exposed yet. And as you say, the return to form of Alistair Cook, difficult to overstate how important that is. But here comes the but. Uh, there are definitely some major problem areas. I mean, they threw away some strong positions in this game. You know, they were obviously on par in the first innings and ended up losing by miles, but they should have actually built a first innings lead. Um, they lost six wickets for 31 against the second new ball in that first innings, and that's more or less where they lost the game. And a very similar thing happened in Barbados, where they, you know, 39 for five in the second innings, haven't been in a strong position uh, at the halfway stage. So, you know, there's questions about their mindset in, in those sort of big moments, but there's also questions over some of the personnel and questions over some of the key personnel. I've given up trying to work out Stuart Broad, Tone, because, you know, it seemed like he was coming back to his best at Lords, and then he bowled absolute dross again in this game. He went at more than six and over across the match, returning one of the worst economy rates for any bowler in Test history, which... Yeah, it's just yeah, you got five wickets, but it was uh, it was pretty awful. Just bowling far too short. Uh, and you know, on the subject of the bowlers, you know, we've talked about Moen Ali a lot. I've talked about Moen Ali a lot. But you know, we talk about this positive approach from New Zealand and the, the high run rates that they were that they were piling on, and they deserve huge credit for that positive approach. But it doesn't reflect too well on Moen Ali, I don't think, because you know the spinner is supposed to provide the control for for the opposition captain. He's supposed to tie up an end. And he's just not doing that at all. He's bowling too short. He's getting smacked around. He did have some catches dropped off his bowling mowing, but you know he wasn't taking loads of wickets either. It could be that he is the best option, that he is the best spinner in England. But if 
if he is the best spinner in England, what's been going on over the last few years? Because why why aren't there better spinners out there? It's, it's a great question. Uh, and he didn't get any runs, did he? I mean, you do feel a bit sorry for him, really, because he's gone from being quite a... You know, having a promising test career to being on the verge of being dropped. Not really through much fault of his own, I, I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, is he, do you think he's being asked to, to do all this work with the ball kind of willingly? Or is he, do you think he's, he'll just do it to stay on the team? Well, I think he's certainly willing well, to, obviously, but, I mean, to bowl. But, I mean, he's come out and said that he, he felt he was rushed back a bit too quick in the Caribbean. And it could be that he's just not 100% match fit yet. But, yeah, as I said last week, you know, if he's going to bat at eight, which I think makes sense, then he's in the team as a bowler and he's I'm not sure that he's good enough to be in the team as a bowler alone you know it's being exposed already but it's it's really going to be exposed in the ashes and in some of the series that are coming up later on in the year so but you know the question is who do you bring in because you know Treadwell would be one option and he would be a sort of safe pair of hands but he can't really get in the Kent team at the moment you know when he did play in uh, Antigua he wasn't especially threatening yeah, that would be quite a backward step, I think. A much more positive step would be to bring in Adil Rashid. We've seen Devendra Bishu, another leg spinner, kind of run through Australia in Dominica. So that you know that is quite a tempting option. But you could very easily see Rashid going at sort of seven and over, because that could happen. You know, we worry about Moeen Ali not providing control. I think you know there's a possibility that it would be a lot worse there. So that would be a, a big gamble. So it's not an easy problem to solve. But but I'm certainly uh, not too confident that that Mo and Ali is going to be you know a weapon for England in the Ashes and it does make me wonder what's been going on with with English with English spin bowlers over the last few years because you know that it just seems to be a bit of a, a dearth well there is I mean there could be a bit of punishment coming uh the England bowling department's way the rest of the summer I mean clearly um, you wouldn't expect Australia to be quite as gung-ho as New Zealand uh but the, the players there that will be licking their lips thinking yeah broad Ali, they'll be looking to attack them at every opportunity. So options up sleeves is probably a good thing for the summer. Well, and it just means if Broad's getting smacked around and Moe and Ali's getting smacked around, then Jimmy Anderson is going to have to do a hell of a lot of bowling. The more he bowls, the less effective he becomes. So, you know, it, it is a real problem. And, I, I, you know, if England can't solve it, either by, you know, Moe and Ali going away and, and getting match fit, if that's the, what the problem is, and returning and, you know, providing that control, or bringing in another spinner who would give them that control, if they can't solve that problem in either way, you know, I, I think that could be enough to, to decide. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That series on its own. <laughs> there are other problems, of course, 
Um, I, oh, sorry, my, uh, my producer's just handed me a bit of paper. I've got an urgent public service announcement. If anyone finds Gary Balance's footwork, please hand it in at your nearest police station. He looks awful, Gary Balance. He got clean bowled uh, by Trent Bolt in the first innings and he just wasn't looking at the ball. He, he did it a couple of times and the ball missed everything, but then he did eventually get clean bowled by one that he was just kind of hanging the bat out there and looking, you know, I don't know what he was looking at. He was looking like above the bowler's head. It was extraordinary, just not moving his feet at all. And yeah, so that, I mean, that's another key area in the team, isn't it? Number three. I mean, what do you do with balance? Do you, do you back him? Well, he hasn't, I mean, when was the last time he got run? He, got, he didn't do too badly in the West Indies, he, to be he fair, did did he? did really well in the West Indies. So yeah, that's... quite what's happened to him in the last three weeks, three to six weeks. Uh, I mean, he's got pretty much no runs in this series. Well, yeah, I mean... He, I mean, he's got a, he starts the series, for sure. Uh, well, the thing is, for me, like, I would normally say, you know, it's just two games, and, you know, anyone can have two bad games. And he had such a fantastic start to his career, really good in the West Indies as well, which is only a month or so ago. Um, you know, he's got so much credit in the bank that I would say, yeah, of course he starts the series, and, you know, he'd probably make it to the end of the series. But he just looks horrendous at the moment he, as I say just not moving his feet not looking at not looking at the ball you know can you go into any test series let alone one against uh Australia with the bowling attack that they've got in that sort of state well I mean I, I wouldn't want to but <laughs> <laughs> I never looked at the ball uh well I mean that, that middle order you know Bell hasn't got any runs for a few weeks as he since that first innings uh in the West Indies yeah a big part of why England probably didn't win this game or didn't get anything out of the second game was that Joe Root didn't score any runs so yeah the other two in there need to need to get involved well yeah because otherwise there's so much riding on Root and yeah it was you know after last summer and after the start of the West Indies series that was England's big strength was 3-4-5 and suddenly it looks <laughs> really, Cook. really vulnerable yeah and Cook is the strength because, yeah, Ian Bell, Ian Bell, he actually looks better than Gary Balance. He looks more like he knows how to bat. But he's scoring even less runs. Uh, and I think since that first innings of the first test in the Caribbean, where he made 100, he's averaging single figures. You know, he's got even more credit in the bank than Balance, I suppose. So I, I wouldn't say his place is under threat yet. But if he starts the Ashes poorly, I mean, we will remember what he did two years ago and was sort of the difference between England winning and losing that Ashes series but you know two years is quite a long time and uh, if he starts this series poorly his place definitely will be under threat yeah I mean I, th- I think England will want a couple of guys waiting in the wings in the series because there the, the may need to be changes made I mean I, I can't see Bell I think Bell will start and finish the series obviously obviously he'll start it but I think he will finish the Ashes but yeah but balance yeah there may need to be another option found but well this is where we return to the Peterson discussion, well. isn't it? Because they obviously made that decision for various reasons, but they made it on the assumption that there was no place from in the team anyway, because three, four, five was absolutely, you know, rock solid. But now all of a sudden there could be more than one place open. <laughs> and they've said well, no, we're one absolutely Peterson. not picking Peterson. I mean it's a developing situation. I mean you could foresee if England gets to the third test, 2-0 down and, and neither Bell or Balance has got any runs, then they will have to make a change. If England gets to the third test and it's 0-0 and Cook's got four centuries at a strike rate of about 30 uh, and it's 0-0 or it's, it's 1-0 to Australia, then maybe you could, you could keep them in there if they've not got any runs, but I don't know. Well, they've then neither of them playing in this one-day series that's about to start, so they're going to go back and play 
uh, some first class cricket for their county. So it does give them an opportunity to to find some form again. Balance in particular really needs to really needs to remember how to bat. So yeah, well, when does the Ashes start, Tom? Was it July the? Was it around the tenth? It's a great question. You know what I'm going to do, Tom? I'm going to go on Google. Uh, it's the eighth of July. Thursday is it Thursday? No, no. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday the eighth of July in Cardiff is when it starts. I'm away. I'm on holiday. Blimey, then. I've I've managed to book a holiday uh, to miss actually the first two tests of the Ashes. That's not smart. No, it wasn't. Didn't even really think about it. That's until, really poor form. until just then. I'm going to Greece, and uh, today I was thinking thinking about things I need to do before I go. I thought oh, I need to get some money, I need to get some cash for before I go. And I literally thought to myself, "Do Greece have the euro?" And then I thought, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's what we've heard about for the last. I've watched four the news years over the last five years. <laughs> so that wasn't my my finest moment. Where are you going to in Greece? Uh, islands, various islands, various islands in Greece. Interesting. Yeah. Island hopping. I will be posting pictures of beaches on my Instagram. Which, which kind of islands? Well, are you trying to get some like addresses of hotels and things to give up? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, not long to the ashes then, Tone. In fact, today is the 8th of June. It's exactly one month. What I thought we could do now uh, is bring back a blast from the distant past. Uh, it's the betting segment. Tony, can you give us some odds for the ashes with a month to go? What are the odds? Uh, I don't know. Just <laughs> a well-prepared piece of well, radio. Uh, yeah, I'm quite busy. <laughs> You're quite busy doing a podcast. Aren't you? <laughs> uh, quite busy building a beer snake. Yeah, that does, that's that's not easy to do. It doesn't build itself, I suppose, isn't it? You're looking at 1.38 for Australia to win the series. The draw at 9.8, and England at 5.4. Don't think I'll be touching England really for a series win. Yeah, that does sort of reflect what we've been saying in that even though things are looking brighter for England in, in some respects, Australia is still overwhelming favourites there. And presumably that's an English betting company as well, isn't it? Uh, well, it's Betfair, isn't it? Betfair Exchange. So it's it's punter-driven. Mm. Uh, I mean, you can get 11.5 on the 5-0, the whitewash for Australia. Probably wouldn't touch that either. I think maybe 4-0 at this stage. A month ago, you're allowed to change your prediction before the oh, up until the first ball, before the first ball, <laughs> before the last ball, up to and including the last ball of the series. Around the world, this is the part of the show where we talk about things that have been happening around the world. Now let's head back to the Caribbean. Tony, remember we were there only a month or so ago. We were there, weren't we? In our minds. Uh, well, the Aussie boys are in town in the Caribbean now. Australia, of course, are England's opponents in this year's Ashes series. Um, so let's have a little look at them. Let's check in on how they're getting on. Uh, and they've just played a test match in Dominica. Is it Dominica or Dominica? Uh, good question. I would say Dominica, but I don't know. You don't know a lot, do you? I don't know that. Well, neither do you, it would seem. <laughs> so there we go. Good point. Touche. Touche, Tone. Uh, it finished this test as a quite a big win for Australia, but actually it was, a, it was an entertaining game and it was... Another game that was probably closer than the margin of victory would suggest West Indies were all out for 148 uh, batting first. 
Three wickets for Mitchell Johnson, three wickets for Josh Hazelwood, two wickets for Mitchell Stark. Uh, and you did think, oh, well, that's not going to be anything like enough. But they had Australia at 126 for six. Devendra Bishu, uh, as I mentioned earlier, running through the Tories. He eventually finished with six wickets. But Adam Vogis, uh, the veteran on test debut, uh, scored 130 not out. And he batted well with the tail, Mitchell Johnson, Nathan Lyon and Josh Hazelwood. He scored 39 from number 11 uh, and eventually... Australia piled up 318. Uh, so that was a big first innings lead of more than 150. It did seem like game over, uh, but West Indies were going well at 181 for three. They were beginning to build a lead. You fancied that if they could just set Australia uh, a, a reasonable target, that Bishu might come into his own and you know they might have a chance of pulling off an extraordinary win. But they collapsed uh, and were eventually all out for 216. Mitchell Stark took four wickets. And that meant that Australia only had to get 47. And they got them in five overs. David Warner coming out and smashing it around. Uh, and so, yeah, they won the game by nine wickets. So, like I say, it was a, a, a big win for Australia. But it was a close game. After a very encouraging test series uh, for the West Indies against England, some more encouragement here. They will definitely be more than a touch disappointed not to have got something out of the game. Because, yeah, Australia were rocking a couple of times. Uh, but in the end, you know, Australia just... A bit too strong. Yeah, and I mean, pretty big from Voges on debut, isn't it? To, uh, at his age as well, you know, he's been around. Pretty cool moment for him. Yeah, it was a strange selection in some ways. It's a, you know, it's one of those, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Heart. It's a nice story. It's a nice story, yeah. that's what I'm <laughs> okay. thinking of, yeah. He's, whoever writes his scripts uh, should be working on Corey. Yeah, because he's been he's been in and around, hasn't he, for for many years. So uh, so yeah, that'd be a that'd, that'd be nice. Everyone will be happy for him. It was the bowling attack that won it, though. Really, I mean, yeah, bowling West Indies out for less than 150 first time up, skittling them uh, from a slightly stronger position in the second dig as well. You know, it is just frighteningly good that attack. And you know, if Johnson don't get you, Stark will get you. And then they didn't even have Ryan Harris in this game, but Josh Hazelwood came in and took five wickets in the game. Just generally looked menacing and then there's Nathan Lyon as well who chipped in with some very handy wickets in this game and I do feel that Lyon is constantly underestimated I mean already there's talk in the English press of you know you, we talk about the problem the, the, the problems with Mo and Ali and there's talk in the press about well England haven't really got a spinner but they're neither of Australia it does seem like coming into every series not just with England but with a lot of teams South Africa as well India as well you know coming into all those series Lyon is underestimated then he bowls really well takes wickets and everyone goes oh well, he's proved that he shouldn't be underestimated and then the next series rolls around yeah and he's underestimated again uh, and you know from England's perspective is Nathan Lyon less good than Mark Craig I would say no and it's not like England dealt with Mark Craig spectacularly well at Headingley yeah I mean Craig looked pretty ropey didn't he at, uh, at Lords he Looked very mediocre. Uh, looked like a nice bloke, like all the New Zealand team, <laughs> but just yeah, not as effective as the other nice guys in the team. Uh, whereas uh, Leon, uh, yeah, he could be, he could be. Uh, I don't know why you struggle with the pronunciation of that name. Which is Leon makes more sense than Lion. Why would you spell Lion like that? Well, there's the uh, the ice cream makers, Lions, spelled like that. Lion. Are you lying to me? Uh, You're lying to me. Yeah, I mean he's going to be. You're lying to me, mate. He's going to be at least. Mate. He's going to be at least as good, isn't he? He's a decent player. It has to be said. Uh, you just have to look at the numbers. He's got quite a few wickets in Test cricket. 
He's got 141 wickets, an average of 35. I mean, it's not a tremendous. Oh, it's not day, like it? it's not. He's not going to be remembered, is he? <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, he's absolutely crap. But uh, but no, he seems to come up with important wickets, and you know, I I do think that England should underestimate him at their peril, uh, to use a cliche. Just coming back to the West Indies, I mean, the the West Indies selectors made quite a big decision ahead of the series. Um, they're not afraid to make controversial decisions. They made another one here, axing Shivnarayan Chanderpool. He's had a poor run of form this year. He's not really made any runs at all. But before that, he was the only thing holding the team together. He's going to be 41 in August. So presumably, this does signal the end of his career. What did you make of that decision, Tane? Both the decision to move on from Chandipal, but also the slightly unceremonious circumstances in which it took place. Brian Lara was absolutely furious. He came out and said that Chandipal should have been given a farewell series in the way that, you know, Tendulkar was given that series. Do you buy that? Do you go along with that? At some stage, you've got to move on, haven't you, from, from players. But given the, the, what the West Indies over the years have asked of their senior players, not a huge amount of kind of, not much sentimentality is there in there because they kind of push them to the bone for pushing them around and, and basically generally have been a douchebag to, to lots of their senior players. I mean, there's probably two-way two way streets all over that junction. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I think he, he probably did earn at least something. Yeah, he is a slightly special case. I mean, arguably, in one respect, even more so than Tendulkar, he deserves a send-off because, all right, Tendulkar, you know, deserves whatever he wants because of the man and the player that he was. But he didn't hold the India team together in the way that Chandapal did. I mean, Chandapal was a world-class batsman, the best batsman in the world for quite a long time, in really quite a mediocre or worse than that, awful team you know he's sort of the classic workhorse as well the sort of uh, he, you know he he put in a shift didn't he? he faced a lot of balls in test cricket for the West Indies and yeah he's he's not been good this year he's had a very poor run of form but it hasn't only been this year last year he was still churning out scores so I thought it was a bit harsh to to not give him some kind of send-off at the same time, you can say, well, there's, there is no room for sentimentality in Test cricket. This is a big series for West Indies against a very, very strong team. If you don't think Chandler good enough, you know, he's in his 40s now, and then there's no room for that. But, you know, perhaps they could bring him back for one last hurrah against a, a slightly weaker side. Or, you know, what they should have done is coming into that third test of the England series is said, look, Shiv, you know, we're going to move on from you now and just allowed him to go out on his own terms perhaps and allow the, the crowd to, to celebrate him a bit because, yeah, this does just seem quite abrupt and, mm. and unfair. Because almost more than any other player in Test cricket, he's he deserves a send-off. Yeah, because he's, not, he's, he's, he's not had a huge amount of fun this year when he's been batting. He's <laughs> exactly, basically yeah. just he's had to dig in constantly. But, yeah, I mean, legend, great player. Like, spectacularly individual in his, kind of his approach and his, his style and... And kind of what he what he did because there aren't many who've got that that patience and that dogged determination throughout his career. He's had to he's had to dig like Andrew Strauss at a press conference. It's a very just very a, just let that one hang. Just a little nod from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just it's like air conditioning you can hear in the way. <laughs> Much like Tony Kerr on a night out at the cricket, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been a disgraceful exhibition of everything that's wrong with modern society. And as such, it's long past time to bring it to an end. <laughs> Have you enjoyed yourself tonight, Tony? It's been fun. 
unpleasant atmosphere. Yeah, very <laughs> unpleasant uh, scenes. I, I didn't appreciate some of the cup throwing that's been going on in here. Uh, but there we go. You know, everyone's got to enjoy themselves. That's the most important thing. <laughs> enjoy it where you can, how you can, while you can. That's my motto. This happened ages ago now, Tom, but we haven't actually talked about the cricket match that we played the other day. <laughs> that did it. happened quite a long time it ago. It was about a month ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we haven't we haven't had the opportunity to to discuss it on air. We, uh, well, as listeners know, we don't really play cricket anymore. We've, we had, yeah, we've retired. We we retired about sort of ten years ago. Well, we, I said I've been playing some cricket. I've played twice this summer already. Wow, that's... And I do plan to play more, but I'm quite busy at the moment. So, <laughs> uh, Well, we did. We went through a phase a couple of years ago where we, we played for a while, didn't we? But uh, I haven't played for a couple of seasons. Uh, but you dragged me back onto the cricket field. We were playing for our school... What would you call it? The school old boys yeah, team? Yeah, old, old team. The old boys team against our, our old school. But it was like the old boys' second 11. Yeah. Still not good enough for the first <laughs> 11. The old boys second eleven against the school. I'd say not, not just still not good enough. Even the, the gap's even wider now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's grown. Well, because now they've got everyone who ever went to the school to choose yeah, from. So it's never going to get in there. Not just our yeah. year. Uh, but, but we managed to scrape our way into the second eleven. Although perhaps we might not be at us back after the performances we put in. Well, I thought I had captain the side quite well. Well, yeah, because no, you still managed to be appointed captain of this team. It's more of a kind of, you know, it's more my leadership on the field, my kind of my dexterous field placing. Your leadership off the field as well. You managed to uh, uh, help, well, you managed to help supervise the cooking of the sausages afterwards. Uh, but, you know, see, you don't really think about your your players, they think, because I'm a vegetarian. No provision for me at all. Well, I wasn't providing it. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> providing it. Oh, I'm a vegetarian. No, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't, you need to bring your own. <laughs> You're going to be fussy. <laughs> this is not what happens in the England cricket team, I'm sure. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, we, between the two of us, our combined batting, <laughs> two balls faced, no runs, two wickets. It wasn't great. It wasn't pretty. It really wasn't great. <laughs> but what, what, well, you got a golden duck, you were out first Clean ball. bowled. As per ninety-five percent of my dismissals in my lifetime, <laughs> I hit and miss. I did survive a ball, although it was a huge LBW shot, <laughs> which was turned down. <laughs> Hang on, though, as well on your fir- your first ball that at the whilst you're at the crease where the non-strikers end, I think you almost run out. <laughs> no, <as well>. no, <laughs> Very nearly. No, no. What I'll tell you what happened. It was <laughs> the last ball of the over was my first ball faced. And that was a huge LBW shot turned down. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, well, got away with that one. Now it's a knuckle down and, <laughs> and grind out innings. And then first ball of the next over, uh, the batsman at the other end hit it straight to fielder. I put my head down and went, yes! <laughs> sprinted. Well, I say sprinted. Lumbered down the other end and was run out by oh, about a metre and a half. <laughs> <laughs> The batsman at the other end. I was walking past. He didn't even talk to me. He just had his head in his hands. You just couldn't believe it. This one we were already collapsed. Well, we collapsed. <laughs> yeah. I think at this point. Well, I was coming in at number nine, and we'd yeah. gone from about sixty for one to about seventy for seven. Uh, so it wasn't great. But yeah, my girlfriend came to watch. I tried to persuade her not to, but she came to watch. Uh, she had to wait around for quite a while to watch me <laughs> do anything. And then, and then I, I kind of shuffled off the pitch <laughs> and she just went, right, well, I'm going to get going. <laughs> just left. 
and drove away. <laughs> just like gravel was flying and she sped out the car park. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best performance. I took a wicket with the ball. Yes, it so wasn't it And you did as well. Well, you, uh, you bravely uh, nominated me to open the bowling. Yeah. Uh, first ball wide. <laughs> wise choice. Second ball s- smashed for four. <laughs> Absolutely leathered for four. And the fielder at mid wicket who had never seen me bowl before. As the ball was sailing over his head, went Jesus! <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty rapey. Well, well when, I, when I got out, I mean, I think what I've, I've just all my life I've got my my actual position at the crease wrong. Uh, so if I miss it and it's kind of going, if it's on my legs or it's going down leg side, it tends to ricochet off my pads onto the stumps, which happened again. <laughs> and I was just walking past uh, my co-captain, kind of vice-captain for the afternoon. Uh, who I actually also work with now, uh, just kind of just went, oh, Tony. That was it. It was just like, oh, God's sake. It's just so, so yeah, annoying. It's so disappointing. I, I literally yeah. hate it. Yeah. It's so awful. The uh, thing is, I, I did pull it back a bit. I think I only got hit for a, two more boundaries in three overs, which wasn't a disaster, but just bowled so many wides. What's absolutely killed me is that <laughs> since we left school, they've brought in this rule, like in international cricket, that anything down the leg side is a wide. Didn't used to happen at school. And that was like my stock delivery, just <laughs> yeah. slide one down the leg side. That was just dot ball after dot ball. Uh, but now, because yeah, I do, I bowl very narrow, I bowl very close to the stumps. Uh, and when that goes slightly wrong, so I just bowl so many wides. And then it's just that thing, I've talked about it before, but it's that thing that... One wide. Come on, on, mate. Next time. And then second wide. Let's go now, Bayfield. Let's go. Third wide. Complete silence. (laughs) (laughs) And then I started to think, am I ever going to finish the over? I mean, I I never used to be a bowler, so I've quite surprised myself even now. I'm now a Division One Evening League uh, death bowler, championship winner in Guernsey. Uh, which is a bit of a stretch, uh, but, uh, but actually I was able to keep it pretty pretty straight. But just the the uh, length was appalling. The length was all over the place, dropping them short. Stuart Broad-esque, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really poor. Well, it was fun. We could pick apart our own failing. I mean, I just I don't think I actually got. I think in my mind for many years I've had this mindset that I, I shouldn't play shots on the first. You know, I don't want to get out. Uh, but then by being all tentative, I just get out. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's really. It's just quite foolish. I thought you captained well, although, yeah, it was a bit confusing because, yeah, you and this this other guy that you mentioned were kind of both captain. It yeah, was like we were, co-captain. Yeah. But then there were conflicting instructions. After my second over, you ran past, you jogged past me and went, have a rest there, mate. <laughs> Which, but then the other guy jogged past me and said, one more over. And, you know, I thought, A, I was a bit disappointed that you were telling me to have a rest. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to you'd, burn you up. You'd seen to, enough. No, I wanted, I wanted two from you right at the death. <laughs> I didn't want to use all your overs up right at the start. Oh, anyway. So there you go. Well, that was fun. Maybe we could... Uh, I might I might play again before the yeah, end of summer. It was quite fun. I enjoyed it, actually. So, yeah, I should, should get back involved. Uh, but, yeah, that's it for the World Cricket Show this week. No, it's great. Except I've got a few things to <laughs> oh, say. Oh, <God>. A few, a few uh, bits of housekeeping. The first thing that I want to say is that we are a uh, moving hosting provider... Uh, which doesn't affect the listeners at all, except to say that uh, you might find a whole load of old episodes downloading onto your phone at some point. Yeah, just just to be aware that that might happen. But anyway, if you enjoy the show, while you're waiting for a new episode of The World Cricket Show, there are various things that you can do to support us. We've got merch. We've got merchandise. We've got merch. Uh, we've got T-shirts, hoodies, jumpers. You sold any in the last couple of weeks? Boxes. 
mugs. Uh, well, I think, yeah, we sold loads, mate. They're absolutely flying off the shelves. Uh, cafepress.co.uk slash cricket show is where you need to go. Uh, great designs, great quality, very reasonably priced. Uh, the other thing you can do is when you're doing your shopping on Amazon, if you go first of all to our website, which is cricketshow.net, and click the Amazon button on there, and then it takes you to the same Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything extra, uh, but it helps to support the show. So, uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. Everyone who's been doing that. Actually, I need to cut you a check to some point. I hope so. Um, we've got a Facebook page, facebook.com slash cricket show. Click the like button there. Follow us on Twitter. The show account is at cricket show. I tweet during the cricket when I'm watching it. My personal account is at Adam Bayfield one two, uh, where I tweet about tennis commentators that are annoying me. Uh, and Tony is at Tony Covert, T-O-N-Y-C-V, double R. Uh, so follow him there. You can send us an email, workwithyourshow at gmail.com. And if you've got a spare few minutes this week, uh, we really appreciate it when people leave us reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, because it does help to bring new listeners to the show. But that's it, I think. I'm really hungry, so I'm going to I'm ravenous. some food. Yeah. So we're definitely going to draw a line under it there. But stay in school, everybody, and we'll see you all next time. But bye for now. Jerry. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.